Welcome to the, is it the third? No, it's the third, it's the third Buck the World podcast, episode three with William Canzanari, your host and your co-host, Alexander Juno. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, how exciting. <laughs> the most exciting time to be a Bucks fan. Is it not? Um, I think that in a week it's going to be a little bit more exciting, but um, maybe that's just because I'm already part of this series. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. So game one, we had thir- what was it? 36 point victory, correct? Yeah, something like that. It was either 36 or 35. Okay. I'm too lazy to pull up the other box score. Uh, Game game two, 21-point victory. We were losing at halftime. (gasps) Gasps! Uh, We were losing at halftime. The the group I was watching with said, "Uh uh-oh, you jinxed it because I was... I was praising (laughs) the Pistons for a while. I was like, wow, look at them giving heart. And I... I really was doing that. And I also realized Giannis was out for the final six minutes and 30 seconds of the second quarter with three falls. And uh, then the third quarter started and they destroyed them uh, royally 35 points in the third quarter to the Pistons 17. Uh, Giannis came out with a vengeance, just absolutely incredible. Um, I it just no challenge, uh, not a ton of entertainment value, but I sound like a spoiled, entitled Bucks fan right now. So I'm gonna let yeah. you talk now. We're kind of becoming the worst. Oh. That sort of implies that we weren't the worst to begin with. Uh, <laughs> I I was watching the game with some people, and one of them pointed out to me, he's like, "Look how bad Bloodso's doing on defense. Like he's just like sort of coasting around." And then I watched him for a few possessions, and it's like. Yeah, the Bucks aren't trying. Like they're not in danger of losing this game, like at all. But they're not giving it their full effort. You know, I tweeted out something to that effect. Like, you know, they're giving like seventy percent effort, and they're beating them pretty handily. And like, I guess that's starting to be my biggest concern: is that the series is so non-competitive that it might be bad for the Bucks. Uh, I don't know. How are you? How are you feeling about the series? I, I that. So before this illustrious podcast, I mentioned to Al here that on the on one of our uh, strong competitors uh, Bucks podcasts, there was a comment mentioned um, that was done by me, but in actuality was not done by me in regards to uh, there being a concern that this this series is going to be so easy for the Bucks that it's going to leave them ill-prepared for the second series, um, whether that be Boston or Indiana. Honestly, I'm particularly uh, feeling so confident that I'm not really worried about either. But, um, I mean, it's a fair point. I think it's, I think it's def- definitely we're to the point of sort of reaching for like a dramatic narrative. Um and it's like a fair criticism, but to that effect, the Bucks coasted a little bit at the end of the season. Giannis not playing a lot. Um, you know, they lost a few games. 
their their net rating slipped uh, in this in the second half of the season. They were fourth, I believe, behind like the Rockets and the, the Jazz, and they coasted a little bit because they didn't need to. And then clearly in this series, um, when they've turned it on, I mean, uh, they, I mean they've they've looked unstoppable. Giannis, Giannis in particular, uh, Giannis needing to be on the court. I guess like it, it's a mild concern, but for me, I'm I'm really not that worried. So, I think there's a chance that the first half of Game One of the conference semifinals doesn't go very well, and it's sort of like a malaise type thing but like if yeah. the Celtics sweep the Pacers how much of a different situation is it like they would be like well we just beat the Pacers and we would be like well we just beat the Pistons and the Pacers are better than the Pistons so I don't know I'm not like it's not something I actively worry about because I think even if they lost game one they could easily win two three four five and just be done with it yeah um but the Bucks haven't won a road playoff game since 2017. They did not win a single road playoff game last year. So maybe game three, Detroit will give us some troubles. I don't particularly anticipate it. I struck, I don't know what adjustments they're going to make. I do think that one benefit of this really non-competitive series is that Budenholzer doesn't really have to coach. Like He's not like actively making adjustments or trying anything. If he has 52 cards in his hand, he has not played any of them. So he has all of them left for the next round. Which is um, like a, that's like a fun thought to think about, right? Like, yeah. oh, holy shit, he doesn't need to do anything. He's still got all these fucking things for like the Celtics and hopefully not even the Celtics for the Raptors. And by God, do I say, you know, whoever makes it out of the Western Conference uh, bracket. No, that's sort of exactly what I'm thinking. Um, like, we are seeing the 70% bucks. They're getting very little coaching right now because they've been coached to a very good point up to this year where just their base sets can win games fairly easily. And we're not seeing them give entire effort because the coaching staff is telling them, you know, you don't need to. Like, don't hurt yourself out there. Just give enough effort so that we win. And they seem to be measuring it pretty well. Um, and the, there's been and a lot of talk about the Celtics sort of flipping a switch, but I'm curious when the Bucks will flip a switch because they've sort of been on all year, but there's got to be like some super on that they could get to. I, I, I think there is a super on, and I think we saw it uh, against the Sixers um, in that game. The super on really just comes from Giannis. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I'm going to be honest. Um, that joke has been worn thin, but I'm going to do it once. Um, but I really do think there's a super on, and I think they, I think they've turned it off really strongly in the second half, like I said before, and then they turned it on in game one, and they sort of turned it on in the second half again. They just, they just weren't going to fuck around with the Pistons anymore, and uh, they didn't. And there's really not much else to say. And you know. Uh, bringing to your um, uh, Bud not having to really do much coaching up. Uh, I mean, uh, you saw what he had to, what he said, uh, what uh, he said at halftime, right? I, I believe uh, it was a Journal Sentinel report, um, but uh, I believe he said he he looked at all the players at the second half when they were down by two points uh, to the Pistons, or at halftime, I should say, um, and. Uh, 
something to the effect of, uh, okay, let's, let's go do this. And that's all he said. And then they came out and, you know, the big three, the marquee three, whatever you want to call them. Um, they, you know, they all put the pedal to the metal, uh, Chris Milton plus 24, 24 points on, um, how many shots? Uh, I'm not even sure, but he was 46% or 15 shots, 46% from the three, two, six from the three point line, eight assists, five rebounds, uh, a steal. You know what? We can't max this guy. I'm done. <laughs> um, uh, all jokes aside, you know, it, uh, you had, um, Brooke Lopez plus 27 didn't do a ton from like a scoring standpoint, but Giannis 26. Yeah, he didn't. And uh, Giannis 29 minutes, uh, 20 minutes, 51 seconds, exact 61% from the field, 26 points, just 12 rebounds, four assists. Uh, did have five turnovers, turnovers, but same thing with Bledsoe, 27 points. Bledsoe was particularly impressive to me. Um, but especially sort of responding to the narrative, if we're going to grab a dramatic narrative, but, you know, last year, the whole narrative man, of the ter- him with Terry Rozier, I don't, I mean, we all know about it. Uh, you know, he was really good in game seven. People forget that, but um, he's very efficient. Uh, but, you know, he, he, he was great today. Or uh, He was great yes- today. Uh, and, yesterday. And really... That, that was one of my points of emphasis. I wanted to see him outplay Reggie Jackson. I don't think Reggie Jackson can recover after these first two games. The gap is already enormous. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to look too much at it or anything. Um, basically, Chris, Eric, and Giannis have all done exactly what you would want them to do, exactly what you would want them to see out of them. Um, Chris has been aggressive hunting threes. He's been kind of hot. Like he's hit some tough ones. Uh, he's hit some like ones that just sort of stomp the life out of the opponent. Um, I don't, I don't know what the best matchup for Lopez is necessarily, but I don't know if it's Andre Drummond in terms of like a uh, throw him in the post. Maybe we could get more. Yeah, did did you notice that? Uh, that they went to the post lo- to Lopez to start the game. And I think they went to Lopez in the post uh, at the beginning of the game, I think three or four times. So clearly there was some kind of like conscientious decision to do that. Um, just, I, just sort of looking ahead, I don't know if that's going to be valuable against any of the teams we're going to play in the East. But if the... I mean, Warrior if gets hurt, maybe I don't. Know. Yeah, if the Warriors know. run out Kayvon Looney at center, though, I don't think Kayvon Looney can handle Brook Lopez in the post. No way. Um, Bogut probably could, um, but the corpse of Bogut would also have to chase Brook around the three-point line. They have to figure out how to. I mean, I know they played with Bogut for years, but they have to figure out how they're going to do rotations with him. So yeah, uh, we were talking about a guy that wasn't in the NBA three months ago. So yeah. like. Um, them losing Boogie might not seem like that big of a deal because they still have two other MVPs and four other All-Stars or whatever you want to say. But I think it's a bigger deal than people want to say. Um, I I want to see what the Warriors do in the Western Conference semifinals and the Western Conference finals because if they continue to drop games and look vulnerable, um, it might not be the done deal that people have sort of joked that it might be feared that it might be um 
just because this Bucks team's really good. And even if the Bucks don't make it, this Raptors team is really good. This Celtics team is not really good. But the Raptors could give the Warriors some issues. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, geez. Uh, I guess one of the one of the the only concern I have right now, and I think it's I think it's actually an interesting narrative that nobody's really brought up is Nikola Mirotic. Uh, he's, he's been awful yep. these two games. Uh, just, he wasn't that good with the Bucks before he got injured. He's sort uh, of been working his way back from injury pretty consistently. He had some okay games, but like... Yeah, coming off the calf injury, I believe, after we traded for him, right? Yeah. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on the calf injury, but injury nonetheless. I don't know. Uh, you know, he's he's been plagued by injury issues for a little bit past couple yeah, years it's not necessarily like he's tearing a ligament but something's always um, dinged up but you know he hasn't really i mean apart, apart from a couple games here and there he hasn't really contributed to the bucks winning much no. uh that that trade was praised to all hell um i i was a fan of it all the uh respectable bucks uh bucks minds but uh, Bucks takers, uh, whatever you want to call them, analysts, um, all loved it. Uh, but in reality, um, it's not really looking like a great trade for the Bucks. I mean, uh, the jury's still out because I just want to. You know, I just want to toss could, one thing out there. I think yeah, that the value of it might just be that he's not anywhere else. Yeah, like the uh, Philadelphia 76ers? Yeah, like if he was on Philly, like literally I was just arguing on Twitter all day today that if Philly had Jared Dudley, they'd be a much better team because they'd have they one Nicole guy that could consistently space the floor. So and if they Miritich had Nikola Mirotic, yeah. way better than Jared Dudley. Yeah, Not the team defender that Jared Dudley is, not the type of guy that Jared Dudley is in terms of locker room quality and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, they could bring him off the bench for Tobias Harris and he could give him buckets. You know, he can play some small forward, some small ball. He's basically Redick at power forward for them. Yeah. He's he yeah. really is. He's a chucker. I uh, he plays a lick more defense than JJ. I, I, I really don't think Miritich is a terrible defender. I think he's had issues adjusting to the Bucks. I've seen him in the past. He's been a serviceable defender, if not Urson. He's a little bit quicker than Urson, I think. Um, yeah, he doesn't draw any charges. No, he doesn't draw the charges. You're right. Um, gosh, Someday I, we'll have to discuss how valuable drawing a charge is. I'll, I'll tell I, you I this. I think it's a little it, more than a turnover. It's. I'll tell you this. It's a very visual thing. And um, as we know, uh, visual uh, highlights in basketball can propel a player beyond, like, what you'd expect and that's why a guy like chris middleton who visually misses some shots uh becomes the ire of bucks twitter casual members who are like oh won't pay him the max like yeah. um but another I, example I, one time i saw my teammate take a charge in a pickup game and then i dunked it the next play because i was so excited so Oh yeah. Take that for what it's worth. Alexander Juno the Junker. <laughs> yeah. Only that one time. I can never do it otherwise, but because of that <laughs> visual impact, I was able to just You're able to just gain several inches on your vertical and dunk, right? <laughs> yes. That's how it works. <laughs> um but back to Miritich and yeah, I mean I could have a discussion about charges all day, but it's 
when do we start to worry? I, I let's just boil it down to that. Like, when does he have to be taken out of the rotation? Do you give him game one into the Boston series? Like, if he sucks the next two, or is it like you have the next two to figure it out? Otherwise, DJ is going to get a chance. I I think that because we know. I mean, Urson. Hey, to back up, Urson. By the way, despite getting criticism from me and others, since his injury has continued to play really well, arguably this season, he's justified that bad contract. I think it's a bad contract. Um, but so in Urson is sort of the irrational love of Bud. We can see that. So he's not leaving the rotation, even if he uh, like farts out a game here which he hasn't yet thankfully but as for Miritich, i think that um i think that he's probably going to be given a leash up until it matters you know if his wrote if his minutes cost us uh like game one or even if like they cost us uh like a five point lead in game one something like that where his stretch of play is so bad that you know we slip out of it I, I mean, you have to pull the plug, right? I don't know. I think there. I think you could make the argument that we can't win a title without him. Like, if the Warriors are all the way on, that we need him at his I mean, max, but, and that his max is more impactful than DJ's. But I don't know if I'd believe that argument. I just think you could make it. I mean, we've we've seen a few games where Miritich, his quick trigger was unbelievable. And his transition threes just, just so such a quick release, so dangerous. Uh, like they they did change, they did change the the flow of a game and let it lend itself to the Bucks. I can't recall the specific game, but I mean, in theory, which we've been saying since we traded for him, he is a huge impact player, but he hasn't had the impact on the Bucks. And right now, it's looking like a bad trade for second round draft picks. Um, two of them but, kind of suck. The Wizards ones are good, but the other, yeah, like, one of them is going to be the fifty-eighth overall pick. Or this, no, isn't it the Bucks this year or next year or something like that? Like it's I, bad. And the others is I the would, Nuggets that doesn't actually convey. Which which that was the top fifty-five from the Nuggets for the oh. uh, for the Hibbert trade, right? You know what? That might actually convey. The Nuggets might have been bottom five. Yeah, because they're good enough. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, they, they got two picks in the last five of the draft. They can draft yeah. two Isaiah Thomases. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of Malcolm Brogdon's. Um, uh, Malcolm Brogdon was the 36th overall pick. I'm just uh, saying like, there's a huge difference yeah. between the 30 to 45 and the 45 to 50. Or 45 to 60, I should say. Is, is that I know you're more of the draft expert for me. Is that what the data says at this point? It is what the data says, but also Sterling Brown did go 46th. So maybe that's worth noting. <laughs> um hey sterling brown was negative one yesterday uh he was pretty bad he had a pretty bad you game think so? yeah i think so he was really good in game one though uh he was really good i just i just think he uh he left a little bit to be desired on defensively um yesterday so do you feel like he's like lowered his intensity from last year um i feel like he was a following machine last year and bud maybe told him to rein it in uh but i think his wing play is much more structured and better oh, like, i think I he's think better he's a, this year i just was yeah asking if you feel like he's less intense than last year absolutely yeah i would agree 
Yeah, because he I mean, used to be like this guy where you you would think that he was going to get into a fight. Like he was really yeah. Intense. He was like sort of Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris type. Um, yeah, Sterling motherfucking Brown, dude. Like, maybe the maybe the Walgreens incident chilled him out. Maybe he was like, yeah, it's not oh that God. serious. I don't I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> that uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like that's a major life event that could have changed him. I just, I, I just feel like there's a noticeable shift in his personality from last season to this season. I'd say with on court, I'm going to say it's Bud. Like, just I yeah, think Bud is such a cool, collected customer. Like, and I don't agree with that. No, no, you don't think he brings the stability of a cool, collected customer with Maybe his team? I'm not saying players, but I don't think him I, personally. I'm not saying cool, like his collected. personality is is. Uh, he looks like he's he has a hernia at all times whenever anything <laughs> bad is happening. Like I'm not denying that, but he brings a sort of uh, Popovichian control to his team that like Jason Kidd didn't. Uh, you know, and maybe that's part of the reason Thon Maker didn't get minutes because, you know, he flails his limbs around and slaps Giannis on the head. Um, but but uh, to sort of put a cap on Miritich, uh, I do think I do think that he might he will be needed in a f- theoretical finals matchup. Um, I mean, then again, the Warriors sort of had a dud with the Clippers. We'll see if that matters. Um, but I don't know. It's it is disappointing to see. Like I don't know. Like would you consider it honestly? Would you say it's a bad trade right now? Honestly, I just like it because he's not anywhere else. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, I mean, even I don't care that much about second round picks. Like honestly, I feel like the Bucks could buy another one, and the Wizards ones they got were just from manipulating the cap. Like didn't they get one for Jason Smith and another one for? taking uh jody meeks yes and and by the way uh that's part of what's so great about that trade is they didn't use their own assets they use assets they acquired out of really savvy like just uh uh uh, border like borderline irrelevant moves like some of it like they did give up thon maker and essentially that trade and thon maker was a 10th overall pick (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like he that's was two or three years removed from that. Like that's a ton of lost value. Not yeah. like turning that. Like he didn't three months of Nikola Mirotic. Yeah, the horse didn't make that draft pick though, so we can't really well, blame. We him can't for hold that. it against him. I'm just saying the Bucks yeah. did make that draft pick. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, I I I posted on Twitter recently. Is Von Maker the worst Hammond draft pick outside of Jason Alexander relative to value? Joe potential. Yeah. Joe Alexander is, said is the, Oh, did I? Oh yeah. my God, Jason Alexander, star of Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> that's that's where my head's at. But um, but Joe Alexander, yeah, um, I'd say Thon's the second worst pick in his tenure. Um, just because, uh-huh. just because he was a lottery pick and so high. I mean, but, well, like all of his picks were lottery picks. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess I mean, the eighth seed a couple of times, but they were all fifteen. Like, what was the lowest pick John Hammond had? Seventeen. Uh, yeah, that was Vaughn, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Bucks have had three of the last four seventeenth overall picks. Yeah, DJ Wilson, Rashad Vaughn. Who else? Uh, who else? Dante DiVincenzo. Oh yeah, I forgot about Dante. Uh, never forget about Dante. <laughs> hey, I uh, take that as a personal attack on my <laughs> character. <laughs> Dude, the big ragu. Uh, 
I like him. I'm excited for for next year with him. But I ranked all the impact moves that John Horst has made in my article today. Uh, Dante oh, DiVincenzo. I didn't see the, your article today, Al. Dante DiVincenzo was the third worst move, but I described it as the exact break-even point for the spectrum. Like he had two bad moves. Dante DiVincenzo and the rest were all good moves. Uh, but I didn't consider any thing that didn't have long-term impact. So signing Isaiah Cannon to a 10-day contract, um, anybody they signed last year that was just for last year, didn't count any of those because I was like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um, so we were really just looking at what impacted them for this season. It was kind of interesting. You yeah, know what the number one move was he made for this year? Uh, in your article that I just pulled up. Yeah, but try and guess it unless you've already read it. No, I'm I I, I all I saw was something about Snell at the top, so that's his worst move. So you're doing worst to best. Um, yes. I mean his best move. Uh, George Hill. No. no, I think I ranked George Hill third. Okay. Um, I I don't know. Then I th- I figured it'd be George Hill. He's been fantastic lately. Yeah, at that's least that's a great move. Um, who who is I, what, what's the move? His best move, in my opinion, was firing Jason Kidd and replacing him with Mike Budenholzer. Oh yeah, I forgot that counts. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just because um, he's the GM and he hires the coach. So the fact that he was able to get like a former coach of the year in here and what Mike Budenholzer has been able to do for this team. And then the second best move I said was uh, Bro- the Brook Lopez signing. Um, just because the difference between Brook oh Lopez God, and George Brooke Hill Lopez. What the hell? is like George Hill was also a cap dump. And I said that that was really important, but like with Brook Lopez, they got a guy who I don't know if he's going to get all defense. Cause if they just go by centers, uh, Joel Embiid and Rudy Gobert are going to get the two spots, but, I think you can make the argument he's been the third best defensive center in the league. I, I, pretty easily. I don't know who else would even be in. Hey, he didn't get that. played off the floor like Go- Gobert has. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say that straight up. No, Gobert it, got played off the floor. Yeah. Uh, Rudy Gobert has embarrassed himself this playoffs, and he, uh, everybody who voted him defensive player of the year should feel bad. But I'm pretty sure that none of the 100 voters are listening to this. But if you are, reevaluate. <laughs> Reevaluate your life, and next yeah. time give make Giannis the first MVP since I forget who I got defensive player of the year. Was it MJ? Okay, um, yeah, because Col- Kobe. Didn't... I don't know. Um, I don't think Kobe won defensive player of the year ever, and he only won one MVP, right? Kobe, you only yeah. won MV- one MVP. I don't know, dude. I hate Kobe. You know that. <laughs> yeah, so you should know the stats against him. So that's important. Uh, <laughs> that's not a stat. That's just a fact. His MVP wins. MVPs are stats. I guess. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that's sort of where I'm at. John Horst created a great team, and I wrote about that today. So check that out on CreamCityCentral.com. But uh, let's sort of shameless promotion. Let's sort of move forward. In yeah. our series preview pod, I set the over under at 115 points. Ooh, that was my second hot topic on my piece of paper here. And I was the only person who took the under. You and Sham both thought it would be heavily over. And so far, he's at 50, which isn't even close to going to 115. So, no. Yeah, you're right. 
He's yeah. not gonna he's not gonna hit it. Um if Blake comes back, uh they literally have to steal a game. Like I don't think Giannis is gonna score thirty five in back to back games or whatever. Um like there I, I you know, I figured the Bucks would have sort of like a crap out game, like where they only win by like a couple points. Um they still might. And I thought that would be I thought that would be yesterday because they were losing at halftime. But of course it wasn't. Um but Giannis did play most of the game yesterday. Like he left with like two minutes left. Yeah, I mean in only, the foul he, trouble he really and stuff. But he did only pay twenty nine minutes though. Like that's yeah. still incredible for playoffs. Like that's that's wild. But Bledsoe yeah. and Chris were scoring so efficiently, and Pat Connaughton gave him 18 off the bench that they didn't really need superhero Giannis. They just needed yeah. pretty good Giannis. They needed Giannis to come in and, and make points out of nothing and then also like get defensive stops, which is what he did numerous times. Defensive player of the year, Giannis. Say. Um, but if I had more free time than I do have, I would love to just go back and watch these games and just look at Giannis the entire game on defense because there's actually a fairly decent amount of times where guys don't even attempt to shoot in the paint because Giannis is near them. He's, which he's, he's hunting on that weak side. I think he gets more respect as a shot blocker than probably any other power forward in the league. Um, maybe like Serge Ibaka used to get this much respect, but I don't really know how to explain it. It's like the way that D the way that offensive players treat him is just sort of crazy for a guy that's never averaged like two blocks a game. And and it's and it's really odd, be, like because you can't you can't really quantify it. It's one of those things you sort of have to watch. But you're you're not wrong. Like the, the um just the the scare tactic is there. I mean, Brooke helps because Brooke has been just so elite. Like um. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a blessing <laughs> to have two guys that are both blocking tons of shots. Huge yeah. blessing. The how good Brook Lopez has been at blocking shots is sort of like just crazy to me. I don't understand. He's never like, been this guy. He was a bad defensive player with Brooklyn, and yeah. I don't know if it's just because. Well, I guess Jason Kidd was his coach, and maybe that affected it. But like, even the he years had other after coaches. That, yeah. yeah, he didn't just he didn't just get coached by Jason Kidd. Who was so, the coach after? Was it Derek Fisher? No. Of the Nets? Uh, In between Kenny Atkins. Uh, it's somebody who's really not well regarded. I'll say that. Um, I, why why can't I think know, of it? He did have a, he did have a year with, um, with Luke Walton, for what it's worth, who, I don't know, it's like an average coach, I guess. Um Brooklyn Nets head coach history. Dun, Get on dun, that dun. Wikipedia, dude. We're going. We're going. Ooh, it's not going well. We got to fill some time. Yeah, yeah. We players and coaches. Oof. Sure, people don't want to listen to us bra- uh, browse uh, Wikipedia, but um, like while you do that, I mean, he's. I don't know. Brooke is such a success story. Um, it really makes you wonder what his offseason value is going to be. Like he's still a center, so like I guess his value is going to be a little bit lower because he's not like a Joel Embiid. Or, but I mean, dude. I mean, and he's older and has injury history. But Jesus, dude. I don't know. Like he's to, like he's like, 
I don't know. Like Gobert is, <laughs> he's like, oh, to me, he's as valuable as Gobert to this team because he is, he's the, he's the ultimate spacer for the team. They don't have a spacer like Brooke. Um, it, it was they, Lionel they don't Hollins. Have a, I finally found it. It was but, Holland, Lionel Hollins. Okay. Uh, what Brooke does for them is you're exactly right. The fact that you're drawing out the center, the center is the most important person to get out of the paint. Like, yeah. cool, you got the shooting guard out of the paint. Yeah, the six five guy wasn't blocking Giannis either way. But to get the center out of the paint, that's the guy who's deterring the most shots. And, like, I don't care what you – like, and I think that's more, more so than what the center's able to do guarding Giannis. I think it's very important that the center is guarding – like, you can at least play off Giannis. You can't play off Brook. So by switching the center on to Giannis, even if it doesn't go as well with Giannis – you at least have a chance to deter other people's shots at the rim. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, Brooke has, Brooke has so much value to the team. Um, And I just, I, I don't know what they do without him to be honest with you. He's, he like, we might see it next year. So, Oh no. I would be curious what the team looks like if everybody's back besides Brooke. Like if Malcolm Brogdon and Chris Middleton are back, but they have some different center. Um, I think they're all interesting. My preferred outcome is this. Middleton and Brooke are the two highest priorities for me because yeah. Bledsoe's already under contract. Middle, so, Middleton's the second best player, but to me, Brooke Lopez is the second most import, important player to, to a Giannis-led Bucks. That's, I really feel that way. I don't agree with that. I think Chris Middleton's the second most important. Without that's, Chris Middleton's playmaking, I just think they're a lot worse team. I mean, that's yeah, that's fine. I mean, uh, Chris Middleton's playmaking, uh, you know, as evidenced by the by the eight assists in the last game, like he's it's so invaluable. But I don't know. I just I know that there's I think there's like a random uh, on off stat that you know Giannis sometimes does better without Brook. I, I I don't know what that says, but. Um, I would have to take a look at that data again, but um, I don't know. He just Brooke being a out of the paint, b bombing threes from thirty-five feet, uh, c doing it at a reasonably high like efficiency. Because uh, you know, I I am the volume over efficiency camp when it comes to three-point percentage, big time, um, or three-point attempts. Um, so I. I mean, when you have a point guard like Eric Bledsoe, who's not really a spacer, I think he's, I think he's like adequate. Um, then you have a, a shooting guard like Malcolm Brogdon, who's uh, not adequate to me at all because his lack of volume and his like very uh, sporadic shooting. He's very opportunistic, which is you know good for points, um, but uh, in terms of like team flow, I don't know how how well it. Uh, leads to that but and then Middleton is sort of you know we we want him to be the chucker but I don't think that that's his game and I think he he has made that evident so you need Brooke and you don't you don't you know you don't really even have that off the bench Miritich is that guy off the bench right now yeah I mean but he's he also isn't so I feel like you kind of understate how good of a shooter like Malcolm Brogdon and Chris Middleton are like I know that the volume isn't like entirely there, but you can't play off them. Oh, I know. I I, I just, I you know, I love watching guys like this is 
this is an opinion, but I, I love watching guys like Wayne Ellington and oh for sure. And JJ Redick. Uh I that's who I want at shooting guard. That's what I want next to Giannis. Because Giannis needs that. I think it makes him better. And we don't have Brooke is the closest thing to that. He's not coming off screens, but he's chucking from a ridiculous distance. So I just want that guy that isn't a defensive liability. Yeah, and, and so does Bud. It's very evident in the way like Bud has pursued guys. Like he went back to Tim Frazier rather than going to Kanan. Kanan is terrible on defense, but he's a much better shooter than Tim Frazier. Um, whether or not can you want to say offense, though, the way Tim Frazier can, no, yeah, I say can. It's really bad. Yeah, he can shoot, though. but he can chuck. Uh, yeah. He can chuck. Um, and some people would say that's something they'd rather have. So you know, you know, for me, I, I mean, hot take here, but you know, I wouldn't mind pl- uh, paying brogdon's salary to to like reddick for one year even though there'd be a bit of a defensive slip he's the brogdon's the weakest defender out of the starting five so but I, i'm sort of a milcom brog a brogdon not a I, I think he's fantastic but he's not like somebody i i love so I tweeted that the Bucks won't miss a beat after malcolm brogdon got injured and somebody said that, that was the dumbest take they had ever heard uh, that doesn't surprise me. Like the same people that love Malcolm Brogdon tend to hate Middleton. So like, I think it's that, this that Tony Bennett a lot of thing. I think because he's from Virginia, they think he's really like a good player, like very good fundamentals. I think he appeals. Justin Anderson would, uh, state otherwise. So I think Bucks fans would really like Justin Anderson. I, I don't, <laughs> Uh, he, he did play well in, but you don't uh, like Malcolm Brogdon. So the theory doesn't really apply well, to you. Well, I didn't say I didn't like him. Okay. Fair so enough. I, Let's I move said on I'm Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, I, yeah. You think it's weird. We haven't heard anything about him actually. Uh, not really. I mean, there was like, that we should be allowed like a week away. Like, I mean, they allowed Matt Velasquez and, uh, whoever to record video of him shaking off the rust uh shooting i, I honestly I, I i they're gonna keep it close to the belt i don't care i i think i think he'll be back uh mid second round but even if he like even if he's like back for the round after like you said i i don't really think the bucks have missed a beat when they want to turn it on the gas um i i don't really think Mainly they like need Pat Connaughton's basically exceeded everybody's expectations uh yeah, Al. I will say that Al, after our Twitter argument over Pat, of which I am so passionate about. I'm best not that value. I mean, about it. I just don't care Larry, that much. Larry Sanders is making more money than Pat Connaughton right now, so just want to state that. This I don't year. think that's true. There's no I'm way sure. that's true. All right, challenge me. Check check Basketball Insiders. I'm I'll pretty sure that's right true. Now. All right. Well, you do that. I'll uh, fill the airtime. Um. But, yeah, Larry Sanders makes one point. Oh, that I'm is right, true. right? I thought the veteran minimum was Ooh. higher than that. He only makes uh, 1.64. That's really low. I guess that's because yeah. he's only on the fourth year veteran minimum rather than like the 10th year. Because yeah. like... Is this fourth year in the league? Yeah, but... Yeah, that's wild to me. Yeah, and that's... that's He has been an incredible value. Um 
for the Bucks, like uh, who was perceived to be an end of the bench type, who is the first guy off the bench for game one of the playoffs. Like that's incredible. And Horse deserves a lot of credit for finding Pat Con, uh, who is on another, who has another year. So. Maybe Horse doesn't deserve credit, but all the other GMs in the league deserve a little bit of shame. <laughs> Have you thought about that? Ah. <laughs> uh. What's dumb to me is he played 82 games in Portland last year. He played 15 minutes a game, and Portland was a three seed. He started half the games, right? Did he not? Uh, that's not right. That? I don't. Uh, sure. I mean, either way, he's playing 15 minutes a game, top three team in the West. It's it, it's weird how players like it, him sort of go dismissed. I don't. I don't. Yeah, like is he a dick? Like, what's the other explanation for it? I don't think he is. I, it generally seems like people really like him and everybody's really happy for his success. So I don't understand why the Blazers would have let him walk. If you would have had bird rights on him, you could have signed him for two years, $4 million. I mean, we, we let Dudley walk. And Dudley's sort of a similar type player. So we were talking about Dudley before, back in the day. That was so like I, a favor to him. Yeah. To, so he, he would have more gotten playing time. Yeah, I, I hated the move. But I yeah. like I guess I understood it. Um, yeah. But he turned that into a three-year, thirty million dollar contract. So he did good for him at yeah, least. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Pat Con just thirty minutes, uh, eight to ten from the field, eighteen points. Like, uh, he gets too many dunks. Like, what's the scouting report on him? Is there a scouting report on him? I doubt it. Oh, I, I doubt it. Are you ripping Casey right now? <laughs> Sean Tweeney, maybe I'll rip instead because <laughs> I don't want to, like, because it's more fun to do that. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I mean, I feel like we've squeezed every drop uh, that we could so far yeah, out so of what has been a boring series. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we hit on the things that are just barely interesting enough that they're worth discussing because we yeah. care too much about basketball. But yeah. we'll come back if the Bucks lose a game. Um, yeah. Otherwise, we're just going to come back after the first round's over because this is just it's, – it's not good entertainment. We're not talking about I agree. good basketball. I agree. Unless our 10 listeners demand another podcast in between now and then. If three people <laughs> tweet at me and they say we have to record after game three, we will do it. Three oh, more. absolutely. And, and those three those three listeners will be rewarded. Uh, we will allow them a single question. Sure, why not? <laughs> uh, all right, everyone. Um, all 10 of you. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to uh our little buck the world podcast here uh we hope you uh really enjoyed it so um for me and for alexander uh juno here uh at june's is it still at june's fishies yeah on twitter always for me at bill canzanary um thank you and uh have a good night